When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I am thrilled to welcome back to the show for the sixth and record-breaking time, Jeff Goins. In this conversation, Jeff and I talk about the creative process and not just the consistency of showing up daily and hitting, say, a perfect word count when it comes to writing, but also about what other types of work are still part of the work of the creative process and how to identify when you are procrastinating and when you are actually doing those other things that may not seem like work but are actually part of the work. I'm also thrilled to be able to see Jeff soon in person in Nashville, Tennessee, Franklin, Tennessee, to be exact, at his upcoming Tribe Conference. I believe this is the fourth year. This will be my second time attending. I had a blast last year, and this year I'm looking forward to it. A number of the speakers that are going to be at Tribe have also been on this show as guests, and I would love for you to join Jeff and myself and... It's in October, so you've still got time to grab a ticket. Head on over to beyondthetodolist.com slash tribe to learn more. I would love to see you there. I know Jeff would love to see you there. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be encouraging, informative, practical. It's going to help you if you're in a creative rut of some sort. You ought to check it out. It's one of my favorite conferences to go to now. This is my second year in a row, like I said, but I'm just thrilled to go. So again, beyondthetodolist.com slash tribe for more information on Jeff Goins Tribe Conference. Hope to see you there. Meanwhile, enjoy this conversation with Jeff Goins. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome back Jeff Goins to the show for the sixth time, the title-holding Beyond the To-Do List appearance champion. Jeff, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Eric. I'm honored to hold down the title. Where's my belt? Where's the big wrestling, boxing-style belt that I get for this that achievement? Is, that is a great... Um, <laughs> question and now i have to come up with something to bring you to tribe conference in october i'm looking forward to that i and i you think i'm kidding but i'm dead serious i'm not i'm not editing this out so but uh, yeah it was it was funny we you know last time you were on well there was two times uh in 2017 you were on one was like midsummer so that was a year ago and then you were back in september and the first time you locked in or you you know were neck and neck with michael hyatt and then I found out how competitive you were and said, come back again soon. <laughs> and you did. And that one actually was really cool. That was one of those ones where we did like a deep dive on, uh-huh. you know, scaling your business and how, you know, what's the right scale and all that kind of stuff. And it was really cool. Lots of great feedback. I mean, I know you enjoyed it. It's, it's nice to do those ones where it's almost like a, uh, you know, bury your soul or, you know, tell all kind of a thing and, and get behind the scenes of what, what it's really like to be working for yourself or doing, you know, creative work. And then also there's this realm of social media where people see you 
posting about doing the work. Mm-hmm. Yours is one of the ones, uh, you're on my C first for uh, Facebook posts. So I oh. always, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So, so I always see, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't awesome. that it seemed like you had way more meaning in that than I did. But uh, <laughs> point being, you ask really good questions, but you also kind of post some interesting um you know, thought-provoking questions. You're you're the person who's had the most, uh, let's say, civil political discourse out there on Facebook that I've ever seen. So. Yeah, you know, it is really interesting. I mean, that's um, uh, I don't know, maybe there's something there at some point, but people sometimes um assume that I have an agenda, and I don't. Other than I think it's interesting that there are, especially in American politics right now, there are these two very different stories going on. And both sides seem to think that they're right. And I happen to be friends with a lot of liberal people and a lot of conservative people. And so I see my Facebook feed when I'm looking at it is full of two very different stories. And I just kind of like I want those people to talk to each other because I think good things can happen if we talk to each other and try to understand one another. But I, I also think that we have lost the art of civil discourse and and we've lost the art of of reason. You know, it used to be that if you uh, and I were going to to debate, um, you know, out in the public arena, you know, as as politicians used to do, um, not in an auditorium, but like literally outside in a park somewhere, there were certain rules that you had to follow, and we had to appeal to logic. And if I were going to prove a point. You know, there were certain standards of conversation that we had to, you know, agree to. Not to say that like people have ever been particularly nice when it comes to politics, <laughs> but it that's interesting to me. And I think the most interesting part of it for me is like I, I think there's something powerful in the art of asking questions instead of waiting for your chance to talk, learning how to ask good questions. And that's something that I am trying to learn right now. It's just how to. Not assume I know the answer, but to, but to just ask more questions. Why do you think that way? How does that work? Where does that come from? Without, but what's weird about it is when you ask questions, people get defensive sometimes. And I, I have asked questions. People go, "Man, you are a hardcore Trump supporter." And I'm like, <laughs> "I I didn't vote for Trump. I don't know what you're talking about." And then I'll, I'll ask questions somewhere else, and people, somebody goes, "Man, you are a flaming liberal or whatever," you know. But like, I just think that's interesting and kind of weird because I think questions. By their nature, are neither good nor bad. They just help, hopefully, lead us to information, which I think can be good. But it's fascinating when you ask certain questions. How you know people get? They assume that you have an intent, and I sincerely don't. Yeah, I find myself. Yeah, exactly. And and that's that's a tough spot to be in these days, (laughs) where you're you're curious and you want to seek to understand, especially if you're like you and, and like me, where you find yourself really kind of in the middle and you want to under you want to seek to understand both sides of the the spectrum or or see see even me just saying both sides of the spectrum is incredibly right. limiting language wise it's, right, it's right, a spectrum yeah. it's a huge uh-huh, that's right. amount of nuance in there so yeah yeah there's a great quote that um i heard uh by the poet rilke um and he says uh, try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms and like books that are now written in a very foreign tongue do not seek the answers which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them and the point is to live everything so you know a little bit philosophical there but maybe some questions don't necessarily have clear cut answers and and there's something powerful about simply learning to love the question well, and I try to do that too with uh, this podcast and the conversations that I have. I, I always try to frame it as I'm not here interviewing a guest. I'm here 
creating something. And part of the creation process here is also listening. It's not waiting for my chance to, right. You know, ask my next question. I, in all, in all honesty, I almost, you know, confession here. I don't really have pre-planned questions. Yeah. I don't, I don't do that either. Yeah. So, and, and, and yeah, exactly. And it shows, it shows when you don't have questions to pose, but have thoughts to explore, have a conversation thread through, you know, kind of connecting them. So. Yeah. Yeah. And and, the, and so let's go to this creation process though cuz this is the this is the thing that I think has long been the kind of conversation that I wanted to have with you specifically when it comes to writing. It's writing's one of the things you're you're most known for and that's great. Uh cuz that's what you do. But uh well you also podcast. But anyway, this idea of the creative process and kind of placeholding writing as whatever that creative process is for everybody out there. There's this quote that I've seen you <laughs> there's this quote that I've seen you say uh that you hate but I've also seen you tweet before without saying it. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, okay, which way does he fall on this? And I kind of know that it's like a uh you know, it's it's a both it's 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 a middle of the road kind of a statement. So and by the way, I tried to look up who this quote yeah, is actually attributed I, to I, and, nobody and, knows. Yeah. And so the quote is this. It's I don't like to write, but I like having written. And mm-hmm. that's one of those things where it's like, well, it can be taken a couple of different ways. Like, number one, if you don't like to write, then what the heck are you doing it for? But you like having completed the work. So I get it. It's, 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 it's kind of one hand, a, a gripe on the process or a, a commiser- commiseration on the creative process. But at the same time, it's almost like saying, Oh man, I hate the creative process. I just like having something finished. Right. So. So what's your take on this quote? I think it's true. I think some people uh, like the idea. Like many people like the idea of uh, being an author without having to endure the work of writing a book. But I also think that if you like the idea of being something and you cannot love the work or learn to love the work, you will never be that something. I think Austin Kleon says, um, you can't be the noun without doing the verb. You can't be the noun. You can't be an author or a writer or whatever, you know, successful, um, without doing the verb, the work that it takes to achieve that status. Uh, so I believe that people want that and they like that. And, and this is why eight out of 10 people want to write a book. And it's not that they don't write a book, Eric, it's that they never finish one. Right, they start it and they never finish it, and I also think it's a little intellectually dishonest to say I love having done this, but I don't like doing it because uh, we all get it. I love you know uh, the feeling of going for a run. I love having you know ran, run, ran, ran. ran. I love go- yes. I love and, and having actually, gone for runs. And I've heard this quote <laughs> attributed to this too yeah. for for exercises. What? Like I hate exercising, but I love how I feel after yeah, it's right. done with the endorphins. How's that working out for you? Like it works for like two weeks and then you stop doing it. You cannot continue to do something that you hate. You either learn to love it uh, or you stop doing it and you find something else because, you know, we human beings are animals that are still pretty much geared towards seeking pleasure and avoiding pain. And there there are times when we can endure painful circumstances because something more meaningful is pulling us through that. But even that is sort of a form of enjoyment. But I just think like, it doesn't really, like if you think about other areas of life, like I can't say 
gosh, I hate parenting, but I love having kids, you know, <laughs> or like, I hate my kids for 12 years, but then I'll, I'll love having children when they're adults. Come on. You know, you don't get to say that. And I, I think the essence of this is the work is really hard, uh, but it feels really gratifying at the end. And that's true. But you, whatever you do, right? Like Eric, you don't get to say, I hate talking to people, but I love having, you know, podcasted. <laughs> yes. Actually, what it's a the, silly you thing know what? to say. I, I mean, you saying that actually, you know, again, another, conf- I, I guess I, I wait for my confessions till you're here, but I actually, <laughs> I actually enjoy this, the right now, right. What, the, like you and I going back and forth and the conversation part of it yeah. much more than putting the show out there. Oh yeah. Right. Which is weird. I agree. But it's true. I so. mean, I think that's, I think that's good because if you can't learn to love the process, you know, you're not going to be able to sustain it for uh, a long time. And how long have you done this podcast? 2012. So we're coming up on seven years, Gosh. eight years, yeah. six years, six years. Sorry. August. Oh, it's the birthday. It's August yeah. of uh, 2012. Yeah. So six wow. years now. Jeez. I mean, how many things There's some, I'm sure, but how many things have you done for six years every week, you know, without a break? Uh, Probably not many. Not much. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I wish, you know, I, I worked out consistently for you know, the past right. six years or done, any, I mean, done anything, you know. Uh, there's very few things that I've done consistently that I've been able to get away from uh, that I haven't been able to get away from for, you know, six years. So uh, the point is you love the process and, oh, look, you know, you've done it for a long, long time as a result. And a lot of people have benefited from that. But if you didn't love it while you were doing it, uh, I just don't think it, it would have lasted this long. And so, yeah, I don't love that quote. I believe that people believe that, but I don't think those people are, are writers. And, and, I, and, and when you have some famous writer saying that, I think it's hyperbole. I, I, don't, I don't really believe it. When a writer is sitting down in the zone, when a creative person is practicing his or her craft, I actually think the best pay best place to be is right in the middle of the project. Um, because at this point it can be anything. Uh, it was Cormac McCarthy who said that every time he finishes a book, he grieves a little bit because he has to let go of all the things that this book will not be. And so when you finish any creative project, there's a certain kind of death that happens because everything that this project could have been, those are all gone. Cause it has to just be this one thing. And for me, somebody who loves possibility and creativity and ideas, and we could do this, we could do that, and, and brainstorming, it's um, there is a certain sadness to making it into something. When I was writing my, my last book, Real Artists Don't Starve, uh, I was sharing with an editor, and he said, you've got two books here. You've got a book on the power of creativity, and then you've got a book on how to not be a starving artist. He says, you can you can." writes both of these books, but you've got to pick one. Like, which one is this one going to be? And I was like, but I want to do both of these things. Yep. I get it. <laughs> I know. But if you try to do two things, um, you'll end up doing neither instead of trying to do one and, and doing it the best that you know how to do it. And, and so, yeah, I think you've got to learn to love the process because that's where the excitement is. But at the same time, like we don't want to stay stuck in the process. Like we want to finish things so that we can start the next thing. I mean, I mean, that's how I'm wired anyway. 
And so I'm going to take a wild guess here and assume that you're still consistently doing your your writing. You're showing up, but you're also working towards eventually having the next book. Yes. Um, and without revealing like what that next thing is, because, you know, you got to save that for when you come back on the show again. <laughs> um, <laughs> where would you say you're at in the process? Like as far as uh, without revealing too much, if you're even able to, I guess. Um, yeah, I'm not. I mean – uh, I'm figuring it out. Um, so I, I think of this a little bit differently maybe than I, I used to think of it. So I've written five books. I'm, I'm ghostwriting a book right now with a friend. So I, I guess that'll be book number six, and then I'll probably start you know, book number seven by the end of the year. Um, you know, and I've got a couple of ideas that I'm noodling you know, uh, with and um, uh, noodling on. Uh, I always get caught up in prepositions. Um, so... I think of it like this. I think my job now is to uncover ideas. I mean, I really think that what I'm trying to do um, when it comes to creativity, communication, book writing, podcasting, blogging, it's all one work. And the work is what's the next idea that I can connect people with uh, or two? And and how do I know what that is? And I think of it sort of like the work of an archaeologist. My job is just to dig a bunch of different holes in the backyard until I find something, right? And then once you find something, you, you put the shovel, you, you hit something, it goes clink, you put the shovel away and you pull out, um, you know, the brush and you start kind of gently kind of excavating more around this thing that you found in the ground and then eventually you kind of pull it out and let everybody see it. And so it is this very like rough and rugged process at the beginning where you're flailing around trying to find something and then it becomes a more delicate and precise process when you realize you found something, but you're not quite sure uh, what it is. And I would say I'm transitioning, you know, from the rough and rugged process to the more delicate process where I go, I keep running into the same thing and I come at it from a bunch of different angles. I dug a bunch of different holes and it, and I keep, you know, hitting the same object. And so what is this thing? I'm not quite sure uh, I've got to uncover it. And so, so I'm not like going, Oh, I, you know, I'm waiting to write my next book and now I'm writing my next book. I'm trying to figure it out through the podcast and coffee conversations and um, speaking gigs and uh, blogging and emailing my list like all of these are ways that I'm trying to get feedback on is this – like what is this thing? Uh, and it's sort of like um, – I don't know. Uh, I, for some reason, I love analogies these days. Um, but I'm like sending out these little you know, radar blips you know, uh, sonar or something out into the ocean. And then every, every once in a while it hits something and I send it out and it hits something and I go, and I keep getting this feedback, you know, blip, 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 blip. And I'm, and I'm trying to plot that out and go, okay, that's interesting. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna explore that. Cause I, I think, you know, by now I'm not trying to write books that I'm necessarily an expert on. I'm trying to chase things that I'm curious about and then figure out, you know, this is important to me. Is it important to other people? Oh, it's important to other people. Or they struggle with that too. Why is that? And, and and it usually is precipitated by some sort of event in my life, but then I've got to dig really deep to find, is this connected to other people's experiences? And I used to think of it sort of, you know, binary. Um, and now I just think of it as all of my writing, all the creative work that I'm doing, I see just as communication, connecting people with ideas. Um, it's all pointing to the next thing, which I'm not quite sure what it is, but I'm, I'm figuring it out. 
one of the biggest pieces of advice that's out there is this, you know, having this word count that you hit daily as an exercise in showing up in consistency, in overcoming the resistance, any of the names that you want to, you know, pin it down as. But what you're talking about is almost a different creative process than just the showing up, although it's another form of showing up. It's that, you know, I'm going to go off the beaten path of showing up every day, and I'm going to go to some places that honestly might get distracting. It might end up being a, a you know, a rabbit hole of YouTube videos suddenly, you know, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and it might not look like work. But to me, I'm tracking down this idea. What do you think now, though, is the relationship between kind of that that advice of, hey, show up and do that word count versus the the wandering around and like really tracking down if these ideas resonate with first you, but then others as well. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously showing up and, and doing the work, quote unquote, you know, writing words on a page um, is a part of the process. It's an important part of the process. I think it is necessary, but not sufficient. And I think an underappreciated part of writing or any kind of creative work is all of the thinking that goes into that creation process. And so this, you know, finding Nemo, Dory-esque, just keep writing advice um, is nice until you don't know what you're saying. You know, the, the best compliment, <laughs> best compliment criticism I ever got uh, was in college when a professor said, this is beautiful writing. But you are not saying anything. <laughs> and I'd written like 12 pages on, you know, whatever, history or something. And he's like, that probably worked in high school for you where you could um, uh, pull the wool over your teacher's eyes and wow them with beautiful prose. But you've got to say something here. And I realized I have the ability to just talk, just write, just process without necessarily saying something and do it with some level of skill. And that's dangerous because writing, uh, if nothing else, is communication. It is connecting a person with an idea, with something that will inspire them, with a story, with a form of entertainment, with something that will compel them to action. But all of those things are communication. I have a message that I'm sending and somebody is receiving it. And uh, not too long ago, I was watching some, speaking of, you know, watching videos, I was watching, I was like on Instagram and I came across this video that just like auto played. And it was this uh, author that I respect and looked up to. And she was talking to, I, I guess, a group of writers. I'm not quite sure what the context was. And she basically said, um, you know, she said, I spent, I was working on this project and I spent three hours uh, one day just editing the introduction for the hundredth time. And I thought that was writing. And I realized I hadn't added a single word to my word count, you know, and, and everybody applauded. And I was really um, inspired and convicted by this because I had literally just done that. You know, I was working on this book and I had spent all day uh, or, you know, my all day, three hours of writing an introduction. And I maybe added 25 words to total word count, but I basically just spent the day moving words around. And this kind of bothered me, you know, this, this angst that I felt about it. Cause I was like, well, is that writing? And I remember talking to uh, a friend of mine, Joel Miller, who uh, edited one of my books. And I said, you know, I haven't done any writing today. All I've done was think about the writing, went for a walk, read this book, did this, did that. He said, Sometimes thinking about writing is writing. And I think that's true. I think that is an under 
underestimated, undervalued part of the process. And I wrote an article about this and did a podcast on it called Type, Delete, Type, uh, you know, or, you know, what writers do. And I, I think most of the day, that's what you do is you write something, you delete something, you write something else. And some days it's like two steps forward, three steps backward. But writing is not just putting words on a page. That's like saying being a potter is putting a mound of clay on the table or being a painter is just throwing paint on um, a canvas. And what makes this thing that you do art is not just what you put on the screen or on the table. Really what makes it art is, is what you take away. Well, that gets back to the whole crafting of the message or the communication or what is it in this medium, whatever form that takes that you're trying to say, but also have it connect with the person on the other end. And so though you're not putting more signal out there, you're getting clarity on what the signal in the end is that you want to have out there. It's all the work, man. And you know, when you're working in, you know, when you're not working mm. and, and if you let go of the shame of what will people think and just go and just begin to learn how to trust yourself and know yourself. Um, and like you'll get there. I, I remember talking to um, a friend of mine who recently quit her job and, and she's a full-time writer now. I, you know, she's like, oh, you know, I, I did this, this, and this and messed around with this and watched some videos and did, you know, like did all the things that all, almost all of us who work from home do at some point, which is I didn't sit down at my desk for eight hours straight and just work, 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 work. I got distracted. I got down, you know, uh, a few rabbit trails. I said, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that, ha that happens. That's part of the job. Uh, and she's like, well, now, I, now I'm probably not gonna, you know, meet my deadline and, and publish my blog post today. And I said, oh no, 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 you still have to do that. Cause this is your job now. Well, you know, I'm not really inspired and I don't know about this. I said, no, you don't understand. Like all that other stuff you did totally fine. But uh, you still have to publish. You still have to ship. And this is the difference between when you're a hobbyist and an amateur and now that you're a professional. And I don't know about you, Eric, but almost every professional creator I know um, has some sort of weird, messy process that often has a little bit of procrastination involved in it somewhere, but they always get the work done on time. Or almost always, you know, either everybody's human and they have a discipline. They have a commitment to getting it done no matter what. And this is something that I learned about myself not too long ago is I'm like, oh, I'm so messy and erratic, but I hit my deadlines, you know, and, and that's the point, not how I got there, but what the destination is. And so if you got to watch a YouTube video or go for a walk or do 25 pushups or, you know, read these 12 books to realize that that's not what you're trying to do. Okay. Uh, but the point is the product and you've got to learn to love the process and love yourself through the process and understand that like your process is going to look like my process. And in the end, nobody really cares about your process. They care about what you produce. And if you consistently produce great work, then do what you got to do to get there. 
Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people, or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you enjoy Beyond the To-Do List, I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans. I'm Sarah Hart Unger, the host of Best Laid Plans, a podcast devoted to all things planning and planning adjacent. I talk about everything from paper planner reviews to deep dives into all things productivity, from keeping track of goals and tasks to fitting in your true priorities and reducing the stress around planning and organizing across different areas of life. I am a practicing physician and mother of three, so I have a lot going on in my own life and I'm intimately familiar with the time constraints that impact us all. And I love sharing my own productivity strategies and learning from others who have their own ideas to share. I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans, available on all podcast platforms, or visit my website, theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com, to learn more. So you said uh, a phrase where something along the lines of, well, you know when you're doing the work or you're not doing the work. And uh, what in your experience have been the signs, you know, one way or the other with that? Almost always for me, it's fear. So if I find myself saying, I'm going to write today, and then I find all of these things that all of a sudden seem really urgent that aren't really urgent. Like, I only had a little bit for breakfast. I should eat some more, right? And I'll spend 30 minutes making, uh, you know, a, a, a second breakfast, <laughs> like a hobbit. You know what I'm saying, though? Like, oh, I only had a, you know, cereal bar or whatever. So I should eat some more before I start this. And, you know, you find things that aren't really priorities or aren't really urgent, like they all of a sudden feel urgent, uh, or you randomly find excuses to interrupt what would otherwise have been like a two or three hour block of time or even an hour block of time. And you go, I need to text that person. Now I'm talking to that person and oh, there's 15. Like if you're finding ways to interrupt the work that have nothing to do with the work and, and you start, I have to stop myself. I become aware enough of it. that I stop myself. I go, what am I feeling right now? I feel anxious. I'm nervous. Why am I nervous? I'm afraid. Why am I afraid? I don't want to do this. I don't know how to start this. And it's, it's scary. People say, I, I hate writing. What they mean is I hate starting because to sit down in front of the blank page, the blank canvas, the project that you're trying to create today, it's intimidating. None of us dislike the part of the process where you're firing on all cylinders and you're fully focused and things are going great. Uh, but I think when you continually find ways to interrupt the work or even like it's rarely interruption and it's often like not starting and things that 
aren't really urgent all of a sudden become urgent or you just find yourself doing certain things, you need to just ask yourself, what do I feel in this moment? And if it's anxiety, if it's fear, I don't really ever feel afraid when I'm making something, like when I'm really in the middle of it, I'm excited. You know, there's there's this contentment. I'm only nervous about something at the very beginning and very end of a project because that's when people are, you know, at the end, or that's when people are going to see it. And at the beginning, that's... um. Uh, that's just me dealing with, I don't know, I don't know what to do with this and this makes me feel shame. So I'm just going to avoid it. I'm going to go do something else. But yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's one way that I'm aware of it. I was, I'm, I'm doing something or I just can't seem to get started. And I go, what did I do today? And why did I do that? And what was I, if you can just stop yourself and go, what am I feeling in this moment? And the thing is fear. Uh, I don't, I, I don't think that's the right thing to be doing. But if you're reading a book in it and in that book, they reference something else and you put that book down and you start another book and, and that leads to, you know, this thing, it leads to that thing. And you're like chasing all these threads, right? Um, or, or maybe, you know, you had a really deep conversation or a long lunch with somebody and you're talking about the thing that you're working on. All of this can be a part of the work, and, and, and I just think it really comes down to your, your motivation. But uh, I would be careful uh, saying, well, I didn't write X amount of words today, therefore I'm failing or not moving this project forward. Uh, I don't think that's always true. And there's a lot of hidden work underneath the surface that has to happen in order for you to be, even be able to figure that out. And so for me, I have to stay honest by um, – Having a process, having a practice every day, I follow what I call the three bucket system where I come up with some ideas, I capture them, uh, I write some of those ideas out and I edit some old ideas. So I'm always kind of keeping those gears turning so, so that I'm not going, well, I'm, I'm trying to come up with a great idea and I'm doing all these things that aren't just keeping the machine going. That's my process. You know, somebody else may have a different process, um, but in the middle of that process, all kinds of things can happen. And, um, I try to be open to that because it's, um, it's kind of amazing how this thing that led to that thing that led to that thing can lead to some sort of epiphany or insight. And maybe none of those things mattered, but what mattered was you got into this mental state where you were open to some new idea and now you're ready to express it. I'm following along with what you said about the fear. I think that's a pretty good indicator. I, I like that being kind of a, uh, a good barometer of like, hey, if I'm doing something right now and I am not being honest with myself, then I'm going to feel some guilt about not, quote, doing the work at that moment. But if I have the right perspective on it, then I'm going to potentially approach that time that I'm, you know, maybe looking at YouTube videos again, because I'm searching, you know, I I'm searching down an idea. Is there a way for somebody to loosen up their rigidity of this, of their mm, perspective mm -hmm. on yeah. the way the work is done by allowing, <laughs> still leaning in on the rigidity and saying, okay, here's an hour or two hours of the day that I'm allocating for that non-rigid writing practice? Here's what I think doesn't work, Eric, is you, is you can't make an appointment with yourself and not keep the appointment. You can't make a promise to yourself and say, I'm going to work on the book today and not work on the book today and go, well, that's writing, you know, because, you know, Jeff right. Yes. So. Yes. You know, so um, the uh, you have to put a frame around the art and then what happens in the frame 
um, you can chill out. You can give yourself um, some room and some grace to explore. So I think uh, what you need to do is you need to commit to writing or creating in the same place at the same time every day or, or you know, say you do it today at 11 a.m. and tomorrow you want to do it at 9 p.m. and just saying – like making the appointment and keeping the appointment. That's job number one is you've got to keep your appointment. You've got to keep your promises to yourself because if you're not showing up and what we mean by that is like you are making yourself available to the work that you have to do to the muse, however you want to think of it, but you're just present. You're going, I, I want, I'm here. I want to do this work and I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm going to just be here. Um, that's good. That's job number one. Uh, then I think job number two is to understand where you are in the process. So there is a part of the process where you just write uh, and you don't get to come up with new ideas, you know? Um, and I, I could go into that more, you know, but at a certain point you're sort of like teaching a class on how to write a book. Uh, but the bottom line is the beginning part of the process needs to be full of possibility and all kinds of ideas and, and thoughts and threads because you're trying to get something really great. And I think most books die because the author uh, never took the time to make a good idea great or a pretty pretty good idea better. Uh, and so that's the beginning part of the process is all kinds of flailing. And so at the beginning I go, uh, I'm going to work on the book. Like that's my commitment. I'm going to work on the book for an hour this morning. I may listen to a bunch of interviews. I may take some notes. I may outline something. I may write 500 words, but I'm going to work on the book for this time. Make an appointment, keep it, and I know what part of the process I'm in. Now, you know, in the middle part of the process, that's a lot of writing, not a lot of editing. And, and in the latter part of the process, a lot of editing, not a lot of writing, no research kind of thing. Um, so at this point, there's a lot of freedom. Uh, and, and so I, I think you are free to just – when you show up for your appointment, do what you need to do. And at the end of it, you know that you've done your work if you have uh, clarified the the project. You've clarified your vision. You better understand your argument. You are leaving that work with a clearer idea of what you're doing and you've somehow moved it forward. Because the truth is, how do books get written? 500 words a day? Sometimes. Sometimes it's 23 words a day, then 3,000 words the next day, then 12 words. You know, like Sometimes it's like that because you've got to Curate a bunch of information, figure out what you're trying to say, then revisit the project. Um, and so if I had to boil it down to like a, you know, process, a three-step process, I would say one, uh, set and meet your appointments. You know, don't flake on yourself. Show up and just be available to the work. Two, know what part of the process you are in. And then three, when the timer's done, you know, when you're when that appointment is over. Look back at what you've, quote unquote, done and ask yourself, did I move it forward? And be honest with yourself. And you should know. You should know. If, if there's more clarity, if you feel like you're moving the project forward, um, it's becoming more of a something. The clay is beginning to be shaped into something. Then great. Then you're good. And yes, there's a time for word counts. Um, and that time is like as you uh, get closer and closer to the deadline. But for me, research is the beginning, writing is the middle, and editing is, is the end. I think that's a great way to, to approach it. I, I, I hadn't thought about it in this, those different 
steps or even phases, I guess. I, I use the word phase a yeah. lot now because of the, the Marvel movies, but you know, phase one, phase two. <laughs> anyway, um, that's a great way to put it. I love, I love that idea because then you're free, you're more free to do some of that stuff in some places. In other places, it's no, you know, now is the time to put, it you know, you know put your head down and this is the part of the process that is more of a grind but you've done the collecting you know you've done the collecting of the lumps of clay you've shaved off what needs to be done and now you literally have to sit and mold yeah. till till you're near the end and you're ready to have somebody actually else come in and start you know editing at least in this case with writing so yeah yeah i mean i do think this is um what we're talking about is is the beginning part of a creative process, and there's so much emphasis placed on the quote unquote doing of the work, the doing of the the verb. You know, so writing you've got to be typing, but but writing is not typing, Eric. Typing is typing, and, and so writing is more than simply putting words together and meeting a word count. And so the very beginning of a process, it, it's hard because. It's not as visual as like putting a lump of clay on the table. Uh, but if you think about it, like if I don't have enough clay on the table, I start molding it, you know, which would be the equivalent of writing, right? Molding the clay. Um, maybe, I, maybe I run out of clay and I got to go back and get more. And if I add more, you know, lumps of clay to this thing that I've already molded, I might ruin it. And so there's something to be said about spending some time getting all the clay onto the table. And that's what what we're talking about here, thinking about writing, research, testing ideas. Uh, it's a, it's a process that for me used to feel like stalling because you're not, you're not really producing anything of, uh, substance that you can demonstrate to the world. And yet it's incredibly, it's incredibly valuable for you to get to a point where you're working on something and you go, this is what it is. And everybody goes, Oh, I know what that is. And, um, and, and I think that's just an overlooked part of the process. One of your earliest published things was you are a writer, but it wasn't you are a typer, you know, <laughs> how, how yeah. ridiculous that sounds. But it's but that's how people that's how a lot of people take it as is like, nope, sit down and type. But and that's fine. Yeah, but that will. That is not all that writing is. Right. Yes. Writer, writer. I, yeah. You are a writer is so much more than being a typer or a typist. I don't whatever. Typist. Yeah. Yes. And yet. Typing and being good at typing and, you know, and the muscle and engaging the muscle, if that's what you have to do at the time, is what you should be doing. So we forget that this used to be a job, like <laughs> right, you were a, right. that you were a typist, like go watch an episode of Mad Men, you know, and Don Draper's lying on a couch dictating into a recorder and then he gives a recorder to his secretary and she types out the words and, you know. It was good to be a typist. It was a low-paying uh, job, and you could get really good at typing and really good at spelling and and really good at um, regurgitating other people's ideas. But that's not the same thing as being a writer. Uh, that's not the same thing as creating something new that the world hasn't seen before. That takes a lot more work. This is is hard for some people to hear. I, I really do. I, it's mm. I I think for me it's hard to hear too. And really? yeah, Why? I, I, well, I think that, um, again, I like So, so here's the thing. Like, I like being in the middle. I like doing the work I like. And, and, and here's the thing. Like, this is different. Me like too. right, right now. Um, like I said earlier, like being in the middle of the process, being in the place where, uh, 
I'm having the conversation podcast. Podcasting is definitely different than writing in some ways. In a lot of ways, it's also very similar. I know you, you probably, we could spend a whole episode. There's your next episode. You come back and we do the compare and, <laughs> compare and contrast with, uh, writing versus podcasting, but, uh, not right now. The point being is like, I like being in the middle where it's fun and exciting and engaging yeah, like right. we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. But that beginning where it's like, uh, what should I podcast about? Who should I have on? Or do I need to do a solo show? That <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff. That's a little bit harder. And then the finalizing of it, the going back and editing or the final processing, creating show notes, putting it up and out there. Like you see what I'm saying. So it, it yeah. is, uh, you know, I, I have my preferences of where I'd like to be in the process as well on individual pieces, but there I think is the next piece to this conversation is then it starts all over again depending upon what it is you're working on. If it's an article, if it's a blog post, shorter life cycle. With a book, much longer life cycle. Yeah, I mean, I think the reason that I began to appreciate this part of the process is because I found myself in the middle of a project and, and getting stalled and stuck. You know, it's, it's great to say, I love delivering speeches. And then you find yourself on stage and you go, oh no, mm. I did not prepare for this the way that I should have. And literally, I've been there. I've been I've been delivering a talk, and words are coming out of my mouth, and I don't know what I'm saying. And if I don't know, they don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So it's all fun and games, you know, until you get to the top of the roller coaster and you realize there's no more track. And it only takes a few times of that, (laughs) maybe one time, to go, oh, this other thing, this thing that I neglected because it wasn't fun. That was part of the process, too, because it didn't feel like work, right? There wasn't an, a lot of adrenaline in it. That's part of the process, too. And and you learn to love that, too. Maybe not as much as being in the middle, but uh, I love that, too, because uh, I have realized, oh, this – I have to do this, and th- and I can do this, and I can do this my way. It can be fun. I can, like, go out to coffee with friends and talk about the next book idea and get feedback, and there's actual value to that. Uh, and so I do that. But I also think you've got to know yourself. And I know there's a point at which, like, I don't, I'm not great at research, right? I'm not Malcolm Gladwell or Tim Ferriss. I'm going to spend five years working on something uh, before I release it to the world. I'm more iterative. You know, I throw something out there, I get feedback. I throw something else out there, I get feedback. And, and I iterate kind of on the go, you know, live. And um, and so I do get to this point where I go, I think, I, I think I'm good. I think I have everything that I need right now. And I've got to go to the next place. I've got to start writing. I've got to start working on it and get feedback on it. And my process is messier and has a messier result and product than, than some people's process. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that because it's my process. It's my work. Uh, it, it, it works for somebody but not everybody. And, and I'm okay with that. And it's essentially all about appreciating and discovering – all the different pieces and what they look like for you personally in whatever the craft is. Yeah. And I mean, I just learned that if I keep doing this, I'm never going to move forward. And the goal is not a perfect process. The goal is a finished product. I'm going to stop there. That's a, that's a great way. I mean, I mean, there it is. Say that again. It, it, the goal is not a perfect process, but a finished product. Uh, what, what did I say? And, yeah. And, and yeah, there's yeah. the tweetable from this episode. Yeah. The goal is not a, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's the goal. Um, uh, not a perfect process, a finished product. And and again, that's what we're talking about here is you take the route that you need to get to where you want to go. 
knowing like you're you, you're not, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody else. And so the process is going to look a little bit different, but it's all, it's all important. You know, packing the bag is a part of the journey. And so don't rush through any of it, but know what you need for each step and, and learn to trust yourself. That's all, that's all I know how to do. Yeah. Well, so packing the bag is great, especially if they're going to join you at your tribe conference. Yeah. <laughs> Segway. Uh, <laughs> is, is it a segue if you call it out as a segue? I, you know, I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. Who cares? Yeah. But ultimately <laughs> I already have my ticket and I'm, mm-hmm. I, I, dude, I had a blast. Like it was one of my favorite yeah. conferences. Thank you. Uh, last year. And so I'm, I'm locked in. It's as of this recording, it's like two months ish away. And yeah. yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, but I, I don't know if you're, uh, you're able to, well, okay, give me the give me the upfront pitch, but then give me any secret like, hey, we've got some really exciting type stuff uh, ha- uh. that's going to happen if you can reveal anything. Yeah, good question. Um, so Tribe Conference is a yearly event for writers and creatives and artists. Um, started out primarily for you know people like me, and it's kind of expanded into more uh, creative crafts, but it is essentially a a place where we talk about the process of building an audience using lots of things we're talking about here, online marketing tools, uh, clarifying your message and ultimately being able to make a a living off of that message. And it's just a fun, small ish event, you know, usually a couple hundred people. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun little creative project that we've been doing. This will be our fourth year and uh, every year it gets better. Uh, we try to just, make it uh, a fun way to connect with uh, other like-minded creatives, people who have a message to share with the world. If if you have something to say and you're not quite sure how to get out there, you feel a little bit alone or lost in all this world of, of information and you should do this and should do that and you consider the work that you're doing creative, I think this is a great place to come, feel understood, be affirmed, and be challenged. Our goal is always to uh, have you leave the conference not with a list of things to do but with a list of things done. So it's informative, inspiring, fun, and actionable. So yeah, that's the conference. Man, it's going to be the best year ever. We got all kinds of fun surprises uh, in store. Uh, It's not a surprise to you, Eric, but it may be to the listener that every year uh, I come on stage in another costume. (laughs) And I just uh, was watching one of my favorite movies uh, recently, and oh, I uh, I already know what you're going to do. Then <laughs> you don't even need to say anything. And I, I think I may have, uh, you know, <laughs> that's great. Oh, dude, there I'm looking go. forward to this a lot more now. That's that's hilarious. Well done. Like, see, nobody nobody listening knows, but like, no I know. Idea. Well, yeah. if if they know you, if they know you at all, they got they got to dig know, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, they got to dig for that idea. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this is this is going to be awesome. It, awesome. It's it's in Franklin, Tennessee, which is beautiful. Yeah. It's at a perfect time of year where it's not yeah, too it hot, is. not too cold. If you're driving to Franklin, Tennessee, or even flying in, like it's October. It's the 26th through the 28th of 2018. Perfect timing. Ah, uh, man, I, I've got a code or not a code, but I've got an affiliate link that if anybody is going to go anyway and haven't bought their ticket yet, like, hey, support my show by going through this. Go to beyondthetodolist.com slash tribe. Grab your ticket. Join me. I'll be there. Join Jeff. And you've got an incredible speaker lineup. Anybody you want to throw out there, 
too many people, too many people to mention. Yeah, great question. Uh, you know, there's several people that I'm really excited about. One, I don't know if you know this, uh, in Real Artists Don't Starve, my last book that came out, um, I interviewed a, um, a woman named Melissa Dinwiddie. Uh, yeah. She's she's an artist. She's a visual artist. And um, she's speaking. But what's really fun about her is she is like a licensed Lego trainer. So she like teaches companies how to use Legos to um, – oh, wow. Be more creative. Uh, so that may be in the works. Uh, Ken Davis is speaking, which I'm excited about. My friend uh, Mike Kim is, is going to be there. Janet Murray is coming all the way over from the UK. Um, it's probably like the most creative group of speakers we've ever had at the conference for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got a number of people that have been on the show. Todd Henry. Uh, yeah. Alan yeah, Worthington. Great. Yep. Uh, Dave Delaney. Always mm-hmm. good. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is yeah. this is going to be great. So anyway, again, beyond the to do list dot com slash tribe. That's where you can find out more. And Jeff, I'm really looking forward to this. And uh, thanks for being here I again. Now, I don't see how anybody's going to ever catch up with you as far as appearances go. <laughs> and I am bringing you the beyond the to do list belt to, to this. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah. yeah. Bring it on. I'll wear it. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a part of your costume. There you go. Yes. All right. Cool. So, thanks, Sam. Yeah. Thanks, man. So, I hope this conversation has been helpful to you in your own creative process to help you identify what it is and what it means to you to show up every day, to show up consistently every day, and to be part of the creative process, to implement the creative process for yourself. But not only that, to identify your different parts of the creative process. You may not be a writer, although you might be, but you might be a podcaster. You might be a blogger. You might be a videographer, a video blogger. You might work in a cubicle, but all of these different things have different components or phases of the creative process. And you need to be aware of them. You need to identify them. You need to know which one of them that you are in at different times so that you can get unstuck creatively, as well as, in the end, ultimately, finish that creative thing you're working on. It's no use to work on it and work on it and work on it unless you eventually complete that work and move on to the next project. If you enjoyed this conversation, I would love for you to share it with that person that I know you know needs to hear this. Head on over to the show notes at beyondthetodolist.com slash 235. Thanks again for being here, and thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And again, if you did, I'd love for you to share it. Again, the show notes can be found at beyondthetodolist.com slash 235. Subscribe if you have not yet subscribed, and I will see you next episode.